Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug. I'm a pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church. We're based out of Shelton, Washington. Faith is a beloved, affirming congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. We're growing closer to, more like Jesus, making Christ known for the sake of the world. You can learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. I want to thank you for listening today. Here we are in the final stretch leading up to Christmas. The halls are decked, the trees are trimmed, the presents are being handled with care by all the FedEx, Amazon, and UPS delivery folk. Local shops are greeting us with hot apple cider and a smile, behind their masks, of course. Final menus and travel plans are in the works. Pastor Brendan and I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. May this season be one filled with gratitude, grace, kindness, and civility. Oh, and pie. Lots of pie. And I hope you can visit some family or friends this Christmas season. I've taken the opportunity to do one last round of visits to some of our homebound and elderly members of faith. They send their greetings to the rest of the congregation. I've actually I video recorded a few of them sharing their personal holiday hellos and have posted that on YouTube. I've added a link here with the podcast and at our website. Today's gospel reading is about a visit, a visit that brings joy and support and encouragement to both an old woman expecting her first baby and a young woman not knowing what to expect. Let's read and explore the story of these two cousins, Elizabeth and Mary, recorded in Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39. The Holy Spirit does some cool stuff in the course of their visit together. And it's cool stuff that the Holy Spirit continues to do today. So I want to read the story, dig a little bit deeper, and then look into some really practical tips for when you visit other people during the holidays and beyond. Let's pray. Gracious God, your son Jesus visited the earth at just the right time for us and for our salvation. Your Holy Spirit brought Elizabeth and Mary together at just the right time for their mutual benefit. Send your Spirit now to visit us and show us how we can visit others in your name. Amen. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the first chapter beginning at verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And then Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. God's mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. God has performed mighty deeds with his arm, has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. God has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble, has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty, has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And the story concludes with the phrase, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the gospel of the Lord. 
Here in the second half of the first chapter of Luke, two incredible stories converge. Old Elizabeth has been given a husband who can't talk and a child in her once barren womb. She's coming on six months pregnant now. She's giddy, glowing from the inside out. The Lord has done this for me, showing me favor and taking away my disgrace among the people. She goes around to everyone she knows, inviting them to see her swollen belly and to feel the little life inside her. Meanwhile, her second cousin once removed, a Nazareth girl named Mary, well, she's in a bit of a panic. No sooner has she been betrothed to a decent chap than literally out of the blue, an angel visits her, telling her that she will be the mother to the Son of God and the Son of David, the promised Messiah. And a sign that this is the real deal would be that Mary's second cousin once removed, old Elizabeth, the one who was old and barren, well, she's six months pregnant. Go and see for yourself, the angel says. And wouldn't you know it, the next day, Joseph informs Mary that he's been asked to work on a three-month carpentry job for his uncle back in his hometown just south of Jerusalem. Joseph asks Mary if, if she has any relatives that she might be able to stay with for a few months. Maybe that cousin who lives in the hill country just on the north side of Jerusalem. What was her name again? Oh, Elizabeth. And before you know it, they're heading south. Joseph drops drops her off at her cousin's place. Then he continues uh, his commute to the work site on the outskirts of Bethlehem, a motel and some outbuildings. Suitcase in tow, Mary makes her way to her cousin's house. She's surprised when her normally chatty Uncle Zach greets her with a warm smile but nary a word. He walks her to the back porch where Elizabeth is facing out toward the field, rocking and knitting, humming and glowing, and holy cow, she really is pregnant, just as the angel had said. Mary lets out an involuntary gasp, and Elizabeth turns, sees her baby cousin, and lets out a howl of glee. As she starts to get up, the baby does a kung fu move in the womb and practically knocks her back into her rocker. The Holy Spirit pours over the old woman and in sheer ecstasy, she jumps up, gives Mary the biggest hug and announces to the whole neighborhood to hear that her little Mary is destined for greatness. There's a baby coming that's going to change the world, Mary's child. Never mind that Mary hadn't ever hadn't told her anything and that Mary herself had no idea what was going on. Giddy with hormones and the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth sings the old song of Hannah. And Mary adds her own verses, dancing and laughing and crying, both of them all at the same time. Zechariah even does a little jig alongside. Elizabeth introduces Mary to her neighbor, who's hoping that her oldest son, Luke, will someday grow up to be a doctor. As the day winds down, Mary asks to stay a spell. Elizabeth replies with another big hug and whispers a prayer of thanks to God for an answer to prayer, someone to help an old pregnant lady around the house. And for the next three months, the two women sing songs and wash dishes. Elizabeth dotes on Mary, and Mary gradually takes on more and more of the housekeeping, while Elizabeth gets bigger and bigger. Wouldn't you know, a couple weeks before Elizabeth is due, Joseph returns to take Mary back to Nazareth. On the way, Mary tells Joseph about the small bump in her belly. And then in a dream, Gabriel the angel also tells Joseph about the small bump in Mary's belly. Turns out Joseph and Mary are in this together. And so six months later, a government census 
forces the young couple to travel back to Bethlehem where their child, the Christ, is born out of one, in one of those outbuildings back behind the motel Joseph had helped construct earlier in the year. But that's another story. Well, that's how I imagined it anyway. Only two things I want to lift up to you about, about this story today. First, how the life-giving, encouraging, generative, how joyful this visit is. And second, how powerful and active God's spirit is in the world both then and now. The gospel of Luke, who did grow up to be a doctor, by the way, is clear about the presence and activity of the Holy Spirit throughout this story throughout the whole gospel story. The Spirit is the one who fills the old woman with a child in a song. The Spirit is give, gives the old man silence and wonder. The Spirit overshadows Mary, blesses her with a son and a song as well. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. It was the Holy Spirit, Luke insists, that was working in those days. The Spirit had arranged for Elizabeth and Mary to provide each other with exactly what they needed. Company, encouragement, empathy, and someone to empty the dishwasher. The Spirit is still powerful and active in the world now more than ever. And personal visits are still a favorite method by which the Holy Spirit heals and encourages and restores the people of God. Whenever two or more are gathered in the name of Christ, the Bible says there's healing. Jesus teaches that when we visit the prisoner or the person in the hospital, it's him that we meet there. And the book of Hebrews has this to say in the 10th chapter, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's why it's a good idea to visit. Folks are always so grateful to be noticed to be reminded that they're not alone, to have someone to talk to, to receive Holy Communion, to join together in prayer. Every time I visit someone in their home or in the hospital, I'm the one who comes away blessed. Let me share some greetings uh, from some of my recent visits. And then I'm going to offer a few tips about both how to visit and how to receive visitors. So first I bring greetings to the people of faith from Thelma. She doesn't get out of the house much these days. She misses Bob, but has family around taking good care of her. She misses her church family so much. Barbie says hello, too. She's in Tacoma now, closer to her daughter in a senior living complex. It's a big change, but she seems content and grateful, I think, that there are folks around who can keep an eye on her. Richard and Verlaine say, Guten Tag and Feliz Navidad. Verlaine is feisty as ever, Richard as thoughtful as ever. They continue to have health issues stemming from an old car accident, but are happy and settled in Olympia. Lurie, she misses coming to church. She's still up at her beautiful home east of town, has some wonderful care providers who keep her company and take good care of her. David and Barbara uh, share a greeting as well. They remain quite active. They aren't big fans of masks and vaccines, though. They, along with all of us, pray for a time soon when we can worship mask-free again. 
Bertie. She just moved to Olympia, sharing a place with her daughter, has ties to Gloria Day Lutheran, and is thinking she'll join over there. Darlene moved to Bremerton a couple years ago now, and she is now at Silverdale Lutheran. Both are grateful for their time with their family of, of their family at Faith. And then one other, I, I learned. Uh, I learned. I visited Borgney, and I learned during my visit last week that she and I both lived in New Westminster, British Columbia, at about the same time, back in 1970. Of course, I was three at the time. She was a nurse at a hospital there, St. Mary's. She misses you all. Oh, and Rick and Pat. Rick and Pat are delightful folks. They're dealing with some health issues that make it hard for them to leave the house. They were so delighted to catch up on the goings-on of faith. Pat showed me a picture in a frame on their mantle with photos of Joel and Anna when they were toddlers. Rick thinks the new little plastic communion chalices are pretty cool. And uh, Pat walked me to the door. Your visit made our whole month, Pastor. You know, not only being a pastor for a few years, but also as a volunteer coordinator at, at uh, Marcus Daly Memorial Hospital, I learned some, some things about visiting and also how, some, uh, some tips for other folks who want to visit. Um, so here are some things to think about. First of all, before you visit, I want you to think about, I want you to pray, I want you to ask permission, and I want you to take precautions. Pray, permission, precautions. Pray. Say a prayer for the person you want to visit. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Permission. Call ahead of time. Make sure you know what the current health protocols are for the hospital or the institution or the home. And precautions. Wash your hands. Have some Purell in the car. Hand washing is the most important practice for minimizing the spread of anything infectious. I think having all your flu and COVID shots is a reasonable and courteous precaution as well. And masks are just part of our lives now especially in and around healthcare and community living. Now, before receiving a visitor, here's, here's three S's, soap, space, and sound. Soap, make sure that your guest bathroom has a fresh towel and soap for your guest. Space, know where you want your visitor to sit. Sometimes the kitchen table works better than the living room. And, and number three, sound. Remember to turn off the TV when your guest arrives. It's easy to forget that it's even on sometimes, I know. But remember soap and space and sound. Now during the visit, here's another alliterative, some S's. Safety. Come to a mutual agreement about masking and make sure your hands are washed. During the visit, smile. And actually, this is just right before you go to the door. Just before you ring the doorbell, pause and smile as hard as you can for like five or 10 seconds. This actually relaxes your face, which relaxes the rest of you. Number three, most important, is the, is the spirit. I want you to invite the spirit to be revealed during your visit. I want you to invoke the spirit when you pray. I want you to expect the spirit to show up. I want you to obey the spirit when you're prompted to bless or encourage or pray. And I want you to acknowledge the spirit when you have sensed the spirit in your conversation, in your visit. Safety, smile, spirit. And then stay, stay away from, actually. Three things I suggest you not talk about. First is stay away from gossip. 
It's good to catch up on old friends, but stay away from gossip. A good rule of thumb is this. Don't say anything about a person that you wouldn't say to a person in polite conversation. Remember the Eighth Commandment, that you were to explain the actions of others in the kindest and most generous way possible. Stay away from gossip. Stay away from politics. Honestly, tread lightly, find common ground if you can, and then redirect. Something, say something like this. I don't think we're going to be able to solve all the world's problems today. Can we talk about something else instead? And third, stay away from medical advice, or any advice for the most part. Um, yeah. <laughs> stay away from gossip, politics, and medical advice. All right. Uh, during the visit, number five, keep it short. Keep hospital visits to under 30 minutes. Home visits should wrap up in about an hour's time or less. As a guest, you should at least offer to leave after that amount of time. And it's okay for you as a host to set a boundary as well. It's okay to be tired or busy. We're just ready to be done. And finally, number six, say a prayer. Whoever you are, offer a prayer for your host, a blessing for your guest. You can offer a prayer as well, usually at the end of the visit or maybe at the beginning. Pray a blessing. Pray for what you you talked about or, or for what has brought the two of you together. And one thing about the prayer as well, keep it short. And then after your visit, three R's. Rinse, remember, and repeat. Number one, rinse. That has to do with washing your hands again. Wash your hands or use hand sanitizer when you get to your car or both. Again, it's the single most important way to keep everybody safe and healthy. But also think about rinse in terms of rinsing away any guilt or shame you, you might feel for something you might have said or done during your visit that you wish you hadn't. Guess what? Everybody says stuff we wish we hadn't. And I invite you to, at the end of a visit just to rinse that off too. All right. Second, remember. And that is just to take one message or moment that has blessed or encouraged you and remember that. And then number three, repeat. <laughs> Make visitation a spiritual practice. Make a habit of visiting, whether it's a certain person or maybe a certain institution, but make a habit of doing it on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. Well, that's a lot to take in, folks. If this was helpful, if the, um, the transcript for this and all my podcasts is available on my Will Preach for Food podcast website, which you can also access through the church website, www.faithshelton.org. There's also a link to those Christmas greetings that I told you about. Shoot me an email if you'd like to know more about becoming a visitation volunteer at Faith, or if you'd like to know who it is that you might be able to visit or for resources for becoming a better visitor or caregiver. Sign up for our weekly emails, like us on Facebook, make a financial donation to Faith, subscribe to this podcast. You know all this stuff by now. I want to thank Chaz for his production work every week. I thank the people of Faith for their faithfulness to one another and to the Holy Spirit. And I'll end again with those words from Hebrews chapter 10. Folks, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, just like Mary and Elizabeth. And all the more, 
as we see the day of the Lord approaching. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.